0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special late Saturday night, early Sunday morning edition of The Wrap right here on the Fight Game Media Network. We are here covering WWE Clash at the Castle, the first of two shows from WWE and the first of three from both WWE and AEW this weekend. I'm Keela Cash, and by my side, as always, is my right hand man, my co-captain, the sometimes advocate for the rapidly improving Von Wagner. I bring to you, as always, Salty Scott Young. Welcome back, Salty.
1: Thank you, Kila. It's always a pleasure to chop it up and talk all things WWE with you. And man, I I was especially happy to talk about this show. I am still Salty Scott after the main event because yes, I'm upset too. But what a really enjoyable show today.
0: It was an easy, breezy show to watch, a great three-hour show. The main event will leave a lot to be desired, especially the last five minutes. But I thought this was a strong show from WWE going down live from Principality Stadium in Cardiff, Wales, a beautiful venue. And apparently there are no pyrotechnics allowed in that particular stadium. We got some smoke. We got some fake pyro sounds, but no fireworks for this particular show, at least in terms of the pyrotechnics of it all.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I, I was wondering because I would hear the, the big bang and then, you know, usually they would go to like the wide shot of the fireworks outside the stadiums and I didn't get it. And I, you know, I was wondering what was going on. I thought maybe it was just Kevin Dunn being Kevin Dunn. So I didn't pay him much attention. I just thought he was just doing his normal job. He does of not getting the right shot. But, you know, obviously that was the reason. I, it's kind of weird that you think about it. They have this huge stadium and you can't use any pyro.
0: Yeah, very disappointing. I think Cody might have cried realizing my $5 million of pyro can't go off in this particular building. And Roman, his own budget couldn't go to this building either today.
1: You say you say Cody cried. Cody was was, blo- was given a sigh of relief. That dude was like, whew, I don't have to give my entrance and throw my hands out and no pyro come behind me. Oh, this is great. I don't have to worry about nobody messing up my timing. I could do everything. This would have been, you know, whoo! thank goodness. <laughs>
0: Oh, my God. Those snafus, the first few weeks in Cody's face, realizing you fucked up my pyro timing. They were everything. His face just said it all. They got it right a couple of times at WrestleMania and a couple of times during pay-per-view. But those Monday Night Raws, oh, he was heated in more ways than one.
1: Yeah, those were, uh, I, I have to think those were definitely an intentional welcome back, buddy.
0: <laughs> welcome back. <laughs> Especially I had to come out that box on Monday Night Raw the night after WrestleMania, like surprise! Here's your bootleg Cody Vader. And you Never know I think about that it. again.
1: I think about it. It was it's been it was six years since he had gone and come back. It was about six seconds. They were early on the Cody Vader where they just stood on him while he stood there, and it's usually about six seconds that they wait and delay on his pyro. So I think there's something with the sixes going on there. I think it's definitely intentional.
0: Indeed it is. Hopefully that won't happen when he comes back and we bring up Cody because apparently he is the only guy left to do what needs to be done. We'll get to that later in the show, but I do want to talk about the opening match from Clash at the Castle, which was a surprise in the form of Matt Cat Moss and the Street Profits versus the Alpha Academy and Austin Theory, who got back his first name. I could not believe it, Scott.
1: You know, little things mean a lot and him get him being Austin Theory again, just, just a nice little thing to have back. And the match itself was a nice thing to see. Wasn't expecting it on the pre-show. And a very enjoyable match. I, Mad Cat Moss, man. That guy is just a ball of energy. And he the crowd really feeds off of him. I, I really hope Triple H has something for him because the crowd reacts really well to him. Street Profits are great. Um, Chad Gable... He's he's incredible. So I, I thought that was a really enjoyable six man that that blockbuster flip all over the top row by Montez Ford. Beautiful.
0: Ridiculous. We've seen him doing it in the ring, but to flip out of the ring right. to do a blockbuster on top of everybody else was stunning. Followed by the frog splash on top of Chad Gable for the win. A very impressive match from all six men, really a really nice way to set the tone for the evening, get the crowd hype. And as you mentioned, Matt cap Moss is so good in terms of hyping up. The crowd is often super quick. The follow-way slam by catching Otis of all people mm-hmm. was really impressive as well. He really has a lot of potential to be a hoss on SmackDown. If they change the name, I can't take Matt cap seriously, but Riddick Moss, a professional wrestler, he's definitely got something if WWE utilizes it to his fullest potential
1: yeah absolutely. And you know the thing that we just have to remember about these people is not everybody has to be this top top guy, top main event player. I mean, if you keep if he he can just be a solid singles baby face that you can have him and, and really put anywhere from the mid card to the main event because the crowd is invested in him and i I mean, he definitely has main event potential, but if he never gets there, I think that's OK, because what he brings and that connection he has with the crowd, just the way he, they feed off his energy. That's something that you just can't get with everybody. So you have to take advantage of that.
0: Absolutely. And he's definitely got that with the comeback every time he's in the ring, running the ropes and just hitting his offense as hard as he possibly can. And I noticed on SmackDown a couple of weeks ago in that Fade of Five way, like when you give the business to Sheamus and you bruise him up. You earn my respect because now you have the potential to be somebody that can be a brute, can be a brawler at some point in your career. Because when you beat up Seamus and you give him color on his legs and back, you are doing something right because it's not easy to make Seamus bruise unless you hit him really, really hard, as we will learn later in the show. <laughs> yeah, we
1: definitely found that out.
0: God, that was brutal. But we got to talk about the opener of Clash at the Castle. Going down live and caught off well. It was a beautiful set, by the way. Love the set design. The entrance was nice. The castle aesthetic was very homey as well to wrap the island of Cardiff Wells and all the castles associated with it as we kick things off with the Raw Women's Champion Bianca Belair alongside Asuka and Alexa Bliss versus Damage Control. The name is finally revealed in the form of Bailey, Dakota Kai, and Neo Sky. A very nice way to kick off the show as this was all about isolating Bianca Belair away from this match outside of her Triple moonsault onto her opponents for a near fall and the triple suplex spot on damage control early on. But eventually, this became about Alexa Bliss being isolated from her team, Asuka and EO Sky having moments once again, which are so good with EO delivering that springboard mustard drop kick and them trading shots back and forth in the ring. And this would lead to the eventual hot tag from Bianca Belair cleaning house on Bailey and Dakota Kai. But ultimately, the numbers game would get the best of her as she eats not one. Not two, but three finishes in order for her to lose to Bailey, her first loss in 2022. So
1: I, you know, I I thought the start of the match was pretty good. And then it just kind of hit a lull. I thought this match went about five minutes too long. It was almost a 20-minute match. And you don't... A longer match doesn't always make it better, especially when you're opening the show, when you have a crowd like that. I I just think a a faster-paced, tighter match is kind of what you want. Secondly, Alexa Bliss was right there. I I know Bianca Belair took three finishers, and the story was she couldn't get in the ring, and as soon as she does, she takes the three finishers and gets taken out. I get it. And you give Bailey the pin, the visual pin over the champ, sets up the... I just... That's so played out old WWE tropes that that's one of the ones that I kind of hoped we got away from, especially with somebody like Bianca Belair. That's somebody that you take care of. And again, I know you went out of your way to protect her, but Alexa Bliss is right there. she's, She's right there and... I I thought she stood out in this match and not in a really good way. Like her she threw about 50 punches, and I don't think she throws that great of a punch. I Alexa Bliss really stood out to, in a in a negative way for me. And I hope Asuka separates from her because whenever Asuka got in the ring and got to run wild and do some hot tags, the crowd really reacted to her. I just I don't understand the mindset of pinning the champion in a pay-per-view like this and in a moment like this, you, when you have somebody who can take the pinfall, you know, that that's just where I'm at. That's one of the tropes. I really hope that they were going to abandon, but the match was fine. It was just five minutes too long.
0: Agreed. It definitely dragged in the middle and Alexa bliss. I think at one point, Sky tried to tell her slap me, hit me in the face. Do it. She didn't do it. It was very weird. And this whole run for Alexa Bliss is her return hasn't been very good. She had a therapy session when she was no longer Fiend Junior and she has a doll and sometimes she doesn't. But her character is not well defined. She's not even the goddess. She's just Alexa Bliss that does things in the ring and it kind of comes off as cold. Her personality and her charisma is lacking right now and that used to be her asset. That used to be her go-to that she can talk herself into a matchup that will give you a convincing reason for her to win and for her to be a threat. We see none of that right now. She's just a person and I thought she probably was the the weak link of this match. Unfortunately, Asuka and Bianca Belair tried their best to hold things together but as you said, longer does not necessarily equal a better match cut it down to 15 good minutes make it a bit more faster pace you got Io Sky in there for crying out loud she can definitely up the tempo she can fly she can really elevate the reactions from this crowd despite her being a heel and you know
1: one other thing that I noticed and maybe it was just me that noticed it but Bailey was really in control of this match like there were a couple points where you could see Bailey being like hey you know, Eo, where you going, Dakota, were you going to a couple of double team moves where she had to call them back into the position for stuff like that? So, you know, I just didn't think the match flowed as well. But the crowd was the crowd responded. I thought they responded really well to Bianca Belair. Bailey was the star of the match. So I, I'm o i am I wish Bailey would have just pinned Alexa Bliss. Like, you know, I maybe I'm just I'm overthinking that that aspect of of Bianca getting pinned, but that just that leaves just a really bad taste in my mouth when I'm just, I'm one of the people who thinks Bianca is somebody you build a an entire brand around. And if you're building a brand around somebody, they don't take random pinfall losses in and, and six-person and six matches.
0: That is true. I just think it's the old WWE trope. If you pin the champion, you're a contender, but you can pin the opponent That's a part of the team still get there at the exact same time to make the rematch that they were supposed to have last summer make a bit more sense. But I will say that this crowd was so great throughout the show and they sang to Bailey like it was 2016 and she tried so hard to mean mug them, but she had to smile because despite it all they still love you. And I thought it was adorable. She tried to fight it, but these fans love her. And she was the star of this match, the ring general, so to speak, to keep this thing on track. But the singing, I loved it because it reminded me of who she was at her peak on NXT well over six years ago.
1: The crowd definitely uh, helped this match out a lot. Um, I'm going to give it two and a half salty tears to begin the show.
0: All right, I'll probably go two and three quarter tiers, to be fair, to be fair. A good match could have been better with less time and a little less clunkiness, but overall, a nice way to start the show. But the show really started with a classic battle between Sheamus and Gunther for the Intercontinental Championship. And we got a treat because we got Ludwig Kaiser, my guy, Chattabiscous all day. But then he brings to us from NXT... Giovanni Vinci, the former Fabian Eichner, they're all decked out in black. And Imperium is back, baby. We got Gunther in his black gear. He's right in the middle. Imperium has reunited. It feels so good. And I just love the fact that after we cried about it for months, Imperium is back together. They all have different names. I don't give a shit. But as a unit, they're the same people. And I'm happy that Giovanni's on the main roster because he is going to be a star on SmackDown. SmackDown low-key could have some great faction wars ahead of us. With Legato getting called up imminently. The Bloodline, obviously, who added an ooze on today's show. And of course, Imperium that are going to bring so much action and entertainment to Friday nights and Seamus' crew as well. We got Butch looking like Pete Dunne more and more. I love the dress suit aspect of this crew now. They're all clean cut. They wanna whoop ass in a very classy way. So I thought that the introduction of Imperium once again was a nice way to set the tone for this matchup.
1: This uh, was definitely one of the more anticipated matchups I've, of not only, I think, this show, but really the entire weekend because I think this is a matchup people have been asking for for a while. There's a nice story here with Seamus never winning the Intercontinental Champion, uh, Intercontinental Championship and Gunther you know, establishing the fact that he wants more competition and he's a physical guy and we knew the physicality that these two would bring. I've talked about it on this show. You've talked about it and really everyone has. Seamus just he brings a different level of physicality to his matches. They just feel and hit different. And this was no, this this match right here, man, these guys laid into each other. And I thought the the beginning of the match worked beautifully because it played off of everything they had been doing beforehand where they weren't going to touch each other beforehand. They were going to wait until the match and all the chaos is going on. Butch gets a big moonsault on the outside to take them. They fight off. And then we get the big stare off. They're going, they're going at it, and then they these guys just start trading blows. And I love how they built to shame is getting uh, the ten beats. I, I little things like that. I, it must be a, a Gunther thing because he's done this in all of his matches where it's just a, a simple move. Like the ten beats, uh, a suplex when he was doing when he was with Tyler Bates in that forty-five minute classic. The, how he builds to moves, I thought was really good. Sheamus literally threw everything he had at this guy. Um, he, we got a white noise, we got a, a a Celtic cross. It was it was just a a, a beautiful uh, a match as far as the, the physicality. This felt like a fight between two heavyweight behemoths who wanted the title, who wanted to just beat the hell out of each other. I love how Gunther was just looking at Sheamus like, God damn, dude, Like, what do I have to do to keep you down? When they were both just standing in their corners after uh, Gunther had just power bombed him, and he's, he's rolling over, he's in the corner, he's looking like, as Sheamus gets up, like, God dang. I mean, just just stay down. And then he levels him with that clothesline. And, man, I, I can't say enough good things about this match this is one of my favorite matches that wwe has put on all year oh ah, man four and three quarter salty tears from me on this one i i loved everything about this this was so different than anything you're gonna see because this, this wasn't a lot of moves and flashy stuff this was just two hosses beating the hell out of each other i i loved it Everything about it. And again, the Gunther laying him out with that clothesline after giving him that look like, God damn, you a tough SOB, but I'm Gunther. I'm the ring general and I'm moving on. Great story of the match. And Sheamus earned every bit of applause and adulation that he got from the crowd. I'm so happy he got that moment as well.
0: Me too. He deserved it. And I like the fact that Sheamus played the role of being the one being abused. Normally it's an even fight. He's standing up, taking shots. He's giving it to you as well. But Gunther for the first half of this match overwhelmed him. He beat Sheamus's ass, chopped the soul out of him, bruised him up, battered him, beat him down. Sheamus was down and out like it was the 11th round and he kept getting back up, laying in shots and punches and body blows and knee strikes. And the great thing about this match is that he was so worn out when he went for the bro kick, his back gave out. He couldn't run. He couldn't charge the way he normally would. And Gunther took advantage with that power bomb that did not have enough lift, not once but twice, to keep Sheamus down. It took that lariat that you mentioned to wipe out Sheamus. And Sheamus, even in the end, was defiant, saying that ain't going to be enough to beat me. You have to lay me down, pin me so I can't move in that lariat. Definitely did the trick. Dress a brutal match from start to finish. And it lived up to every expectation and so much more. I'm glad in some ways it wasn't an even fight because you wanted Seamus to be the plucky badass babyface making a comeback because Gunther, his reputation precedes him. He is going to wear you down. He is going to break you apart and you will have to gut and grind your way through this. And Seamus gave the people a hell of a comeback their cheers every time and with those clubbing forearms they wanted more and more and more maybe they wanted 37 of them like he did in that Fate of Five a few weeks ago on Smackdown but he gave the people what they wanted a fight and he laid it all on the line despite losing in the end
1: you know, you, you, you laid out a really good point there about the way the match layout was and how important the match layout was for Sheamus not to be 50-50 with Gunther. Even though, like you mentioned, Sheamus is the guy that's normally, you know, abusing and bruising guys. You know, guys usually have to fight from underneath when they're fighting Sheamus, no matter who it is, because of his physicality. So that story they told of Sheamus being overwhelmed, and it worked because Sheamus being the babyface, he got to sell you don't see that often. You don't see Seamus selling like that, where he takes a hit and just drops to his knees and is just looking like, oh my God, when you saw his chest and just how red it was from the chops, and then he starts taking them in the back. I you know, this if they if they genuinely want Seamus as a baby face going forward back in back in the States, because you know we all know that they will do things very differently overseas in a home country than they will back in the States. And if they want Seamus to be a baby face, this is a perfect match to turn them. And I kind of hope they do because you can, you have something with Butch as a baby face, you have something with Seamus here as a baby face going forward. And I think the dynamic that those three have can be a lot of fun. People are kind of getting behind this group a little bit and it's because of the way they wrestle and just how physical they are. Butch and and Ludwig had a great match on Friday, you know, before that, where it was just just as physical, like the physicality they bring is what separates them from everybody else and why
0: they stand out. Yes, and so does Butch's very long hair, which you're reminded of. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, his hair is so long. It's Pete Dunne. I can't believe it. But I think that there is money in Sheamus as a baby face after this match. And as you add more factions to SmackDown, one faction's got to turn. And right now, Sheamus can be over as a baby face that you want to root for and get behind. And I can see Imperium and Sheamus and his crew getting into it a bit more. I will say that Rich Holland, This is a great opportunity for you to be under the Imperium learning tree to learn how to work and get your reps in with seasoned vets that will bring out the best in you. But I would love to see Sheamus and Pete Butch Dunn as a tag team against Ludwig and Fabian Eichner, now known as Giovanni Vinci. My God, that would be incredible with Gunther looking for his next opponent along the way. So I'm all for an extended feud involving these two factions.
1: And, you know, I think there's a lot of things that you can do with this because I think Rich Holland could even turn and join Imperium. I mean, I could see Imperium being like, yeah, we could take a big guy like that, a big muscle like that, and then we can get to your tag team. And me personally, you know, and we're going to get to it later, I still think Sheamus and Drew McIntyre as a tag team has legs and has mileage for both of those guys. They work really well together and they have that high impact style. So. I agree with you. There's a ton of options that you have. And I think that's what works best about this group is you can do so many things with them and it doesn't affect anything you do in the main event. So it just adds to that undercard.
0: And it's a great way to strengthen it at the same time, because you ain't got to be in the main event scene, but to have a strong upper mid card to drive things on TV, that's equally as important. And let's not forget Viking Raiders too. There are valuable tag teams on SmackDown, that are being rebuilt back up. And that is going to be maybe the secret sauce for this show heading into the fall. They need something. And right now, the tag team ranks might be their ticket like the SmackDown 620 years ago, which is a nice telltale sign of, listen, we don't have the stars right now. People are coming back from injury and vacation and from other things. So... Don't sleep on SmackDown in the fall. Their tag team division with the Usos and the Sammy situation, KO getting involved eventually. This might be a sleepy, great division by the time it's all said and done.
1: They set themselves up good for the fall to keep intrigue. So we'll we'll see what they do.
0: Absolutely. As we move on to the SmackDown Women's Championship match involving Shayna Baszler, the the challenger versus Liv Morgan, the champion. Now, We have gone in on Liv, not in terms of who she is, but the booking as of late because we still can't forgive SummerSlam. You tapped out, couldn't hold on. The referee didn't see it. It was bullshit. It made Ronda Rousey into a better baby face in some ways, a badass with an upgraded wardrobe Eye makeup still sucks, but she's much better than where she was six months ago. But live the arm injury and the crying and the boo bird saying you tapped out and Shayna Baszler going after her—it's been a lot of mixed results, and she needed something like this match, to build credibility. I thought this match exceeded expectations. I thought Shayna, Shayna Baszler did a nice job going after the left arm early on. And we have some nice counters from Liv Morgan with the triangle attempt on Shayna and an arm bar as well for a near, a near submission. But in the end, she did pull out a convincing needed victory to add some validation to her championship reign, I would hope.
1: So this this matchup right here, I you know, first off, live Morgan, and the the promos leading up to this. like you you have to, you gotta take you gotta protect yourself from yourself. So if you did something stupid, you can't say something else when there's video footage. You can't say in a promo building to this match, you're gonna have to rip my arm off because I'm not gonna tap out when we just watched you tap out to an arm bar <laughs> when all you had to do was wait one more second. So, you know, I, I'm already, I, I, I was on the, like Liv Morgan is, is just making me look like a fool. Cause every time I get behind her, something happens and it's like, God dang it. And then every time I don't, the crowd is just like, live, 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 live. So I don't know what the hell I'm talking about with Liv Morgan. But with that being said, I just did not enjoy this match. It was, the match was Okay. And maybe it was because it was following the physicality and the great match that we just saw with Gunther and Sheamus. But, you know, watching Liv Morgan with supposedly one arm, out-wrestle, out-wrestle Shayna Baszler, get her in arm bars, like have her in arm bars, and then counter Shayna's counter out of an arm bar back into the I just, I thought that was a bit much, um... And she beat her clean in the middle of the ring, you know. I there's always there's been these questions since Triple H took over about how is he going to treat the the guys and girls who weren't you know his picks, his guys and girls compared to the people that he did. Shane is somebody that he crowned, you know. Shane is somebody that he turned into a, a dominant pillar of NXT and has an argument for one of the greatest NXT runs of all time. Well, I, this, I mean, I think this is a very telling thing where he sees something to live Morgan, and yeah, she's got a movie coming out where, you know, she's got a nice little role in that. so that'll be maybe they want to keep the belt on her for that. but i I just thought I, I feel like there's so there's a story that you started with Rhonda and Shayna that it just seemed natural for Shayna to win the belt here to get to Shayna versus Rhonda for the belt. I just I thought that was the natural progression of what the seeds were being laid what we saw on TV. I again I have no idea what they're doing with Liv Morgan because I just this match was not it. And I don't think Shayna is the sacrificial lamb to be thrown out there to Liv Morgan.
0: Well, I think this is gonna play into a longer story because Rhonda did tell Shayna a few weeks ago, you used to be a killer. What happened to you? I think it's gonna play into what they would do together eventually. We got Extreme Wars coming up. I assume that Rhonda. We'll get a rematch for the SmackDown Miss Championship under some kind of extreme stipulation. I'm not, I don't know that for sure, but I can presume that to be the case because I expect her to get a rematch now that her suspension has been lifted. But I thought for what this was, the match was fine. We do have Michael Cole noting, hey, by the way, Liv Morgan was training with Riddle to do some submission wrestling to counter Shayna. So the... Um, bar in the triangle is somewhat believable to say I can counter her in some way with one good arm, which is definitely a stretch. But as you said, Scott, it's, it's very difficult to say that you have to rip my arm out of my socket to beat me. I won't tap out even though you tapped out and you admitted it. And you said that the referee didn't, well, you know, you confused yourself and us. You were a liar. That's why the fans caught you. But that's not on her. It's more on the Booking and presentation because you want your champion to be booked strongly. You don't want to have that transitional champion vibe when it comes to Liv Morgan. It still feels that way in some instances, but I'm just hoping that we can build on this away from Shayna and back to Ronda and see where we go from here. Because let's not forget Charlotte Flair is still lurking somewhere. Still owed a rematch for her championship as well at some point between now and the end of the year.
1: Well, I'm going to tell you, I can't wait for Charlotte to come back because I hope she gives her, Liv Morgan a big boot and sends her right off into Hollywood. Um, no, I don't want to go off to Hollywood. She's she's a good baby face to have. But, uh, you know, the idea uh, you bring up a good point about that, that little nugget that Ronda dropped about used to be a killer and the potential of those two teaming up because I think those two as tag team champions is a lot more feasible of a reason for stars like Sasha Banks and Naomi to return and get those titles back from then a couple plucky underdogs like Raquel and Aaliyah. I mean, the story could write itself. Sasha Banks is like, you know, I was fine with Raquel and Aaliyah holding them fresh blood, but then Rhonda got those titles. And let's just be honest. I don't like you. Like, you could easily <laughs> say something like that. And people would be like, yeah, all right, Sasha, you know, and uh, Shayna Baszler can take the pinfall or tap out to the, you know, the bank statement. So, I actually think that would be a great idea for Rhonda and Shayna to team up. You keep Rhonda out of the main event scene, out of the title picture. The the tag titles automatically get elevated because Rhonda is a part of it. And that's what you want. The The person makes the titles, not the other way around. So I, I, I hope that is what the plan is because I think that would be a great idea. And then an even better way to introduce... Uh, Naomi and Sasha and Naomi and Sasha Banks back to the WWE world.
0: I would never forget. Three years ago was Sasha versus Ronda at the warrior Rumble, and I would never forget Sasha's quote when it came to facing Ronda. She said, "Didn't mean nothing to me. <laughs> Didn't care." You see, what I'm saying, was what, what, my dream match.
1: <laughs> See what I'm saying? She could easily come out and just be like, I just don't like I just don't like you. So I was like,
0: I'm you. coming back. <laughs> like this, this you being a champion, this is a bridge too far holding my championship. I was the first champion. You, mm Not feeling it. So yeah, there is some real animosity there. I will never forget that quote from Sasha Banks. No, just a match for me. Wasn't a dream match for me that night, even though it was probably one of the best matches she had in WWE, but Sasha does not have that much love for Ronda Rousey and for her to come back because of that would make total sense. Cause I don't like the, even the suggestion that you bring back Sasha Naomi as heels, that would be dumb as hell. Uh,
1: absolutely. And, and you definitely don't bring them back at any, in any reason, any capacity when you have Raquel and Aaliyah as your champions, because that does nothing for them except make them look like jokes. Like it's, it's like, who are those two holding the belts for the real stars over here? So I just think you have to have stars and you have to have big names holding those belts whenever those two come back and who bigger than Ronda and Shayna and you have Shayna who can take that pinfall or submission loss.
0: Very, very true indeed. Hopefully we get that great brainstorm idea, Scott, about what could be whenever Sasha Naomi returns to WWE. Not very soon because of Raquel and Aaliyah holding those championships and still Aaliyah pinned the wrong person on Monday. Dakota Kai has a case. I digress on all of that. As we move on to our next matchup, we got Ray and Edge Mysterio. Yes, you heard me. Ray and Edge Mysterio versus Finn Balor and Damian Priest from Judgment Day. And let me tell you something. Edge, son, sir, Mr. Copeland, your bright idea to be a heel this year was dumb as hell because listen to the reaction you got as Lucha Edge you came out there in that mask happy as hell you was running like you were 20 years old the ovation you received they sang your song and they absolutely loved you. In what world did you ever believe that you could be booed for the rest of your career? It wasn't going to happen. You are a legend emeritus for the rest of your career, sir. You came back from a career threatening neck injury. They were never going to boo you. You were probably outside of Drew McIntyre, the most over man on this show.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I don't, I don't think you can ever turn edge heel again after that reaction. And you mentioned he came out as El Diablo with the mask on, and I was a little worried because I was like, dude, you know, you got a long entrance ramp, you got to get down, and you running <laughs> both sides of the field full length, and he, he was moving. I mean, there was no style. That was that guy was fired up, and I mean, that's that's the ultra babyface, right? That's that's the that's the ultimate uh, babyface kind of, uh, you know, the energy that you want to give off that. I mean, look at that, look at that. And look how they, and you mentioned how the crowd fed off of that. They were singing this man's entrance. Uh, no, no, no handouts with the words on them either. Just, you know, naturally off of memory. Uh, it was, it was a great, great moment. Uh, him and Rey Mysterio both got great entrances. I, I thought Judgment Day's entrance was great too. And I, I'm loving how they're making Rhea the central figure of this entire thing while still keeping Finn and Damien as, you know, not quite equals, but they're not minions. They're not henchmen because they could definitely do their own thing. So I, I like the progression that each group has each of the trios has made as far as Edge accepting that you're just going to be the babyface going forward and Judgment Day tweaking little things to make their group more in sync and a little bit more dynamic on its own with losing the biggest name that it's had that it had.
0: Yes, they still keep custody of Alter Bridge. They get two checks in one match. It's amazing. So they win, and I love the Judgment Day entrance and <laughs> the end of this match and the fallout. That might have been my favorite Judgment Day moment to date because, yeah, we can be vicious, but we can be total hams at the same time. And I loved it. We'll get to it shortly. But the body of this match is very good. Ray and Edge were great together, giving me 20 years ago vibes as a great tag team on SmackDown. And we got some Dominic interference towards the end of this match as Rhea Ripley with Zero Chill Beat this man's ass. I mean, she punched the shit out of him, threw him around, threw him against a barricade, stopped him until Rey Mysterio says no more. I would to pay you against a barricade, Rhea, by way of Dominic. Don't touch my son.
1: You know, th- this match didn't really make a lot of sense. If we're, especially when you go into the finish of the match, uh, the body of the match I thought was really good. I-, I thought the action was really good until we got to the finish. I, I loved uh, Edge spearing him through the ropes. Edge and Rey Mysterio doing some double teams as uh, Edge kind of powerbomb, moonsaulted Rey Mysterio to the outside to take both out. So there was some good work there. You know, Rhea Ripley didn't do a lot on the outside, but you got babyface Dominic at every turn trying to grab a leg and and, and you know do a takedown. <laughs> it was it was so backwards from what should have been going on. And and let me tell you, Rey Mysterio and Edge, not one objection. I didn't see one of them be like, Dominic, what are you doing? Not one of them. They was a like, cool dude. That's great. We even got Edge giving a six one nine. I gotta make sure I, I throw that. Or as as Corey Graves called it, a five-one eight. Or 508, (laughs) I think he called it, Um, which I thought was great, too. That's a great call by Corey Um, Graves. Edge was a lot of fun on his comebacks. They built to the hot tag well with that. And then we got to the finish with Dominic Mysterio, you know, distracting them. Edge gets the big spear, one, two, three, off of a Dominic Mysterio distraction. And then you see Dominic... You know, looking like you know, guys, are you going to come thank me? Essentially, looking like you're going to come thank me for winning the match. And Edge and Ray are just celebrating over there, and he's just got a look on his face that so you can kind of see it coming. One other thing I want to touch on: they've been building up Ray Mysterio hitting Rhea Ripley for weeks. You know, Rhea's been stepping in front of Ray, saying, "Hit me! What you going to do? You're going to hit a woman and all that." Why have do- why have her whole Dominic right there? When that's an easy way to have Ray get his revenge on Rhea right there, get his move on her right there, get his hit, and then you can, everything on the finish can still play out. Like that's a storyline thread that you've been building that you could have paid off right there in the match. I, and maybe I'm the only one who noticed that, but I, that's a storyline that they've been doing for countless weeks of Rhea stepping in front of Ray in particular, saying, Hit me. It's like an old TV show I used to watch when I was a kid called My Brother and Me. And that boy said, hit me, talking to his brother. Hit me? What you going to And that's what it was. And so you, you have the moment built up, ready for you. And they just don't capitalize. And I don't know if they didn't realize what they had built up or if they just forgot. But then we get Dominic and, you know, they win the match. And Dominic goes and he low blows Edge. And let me tell you, Edge gives a beautiful facial as he looks at Dominic like, you son of a gun. You got me. <laughs> Dominic loses a shoe, throws the other shoe. So I don't know if that's, I don't know what all that was about. I guess he, I guess the shoe is a part of the thing. And then he gives the best move, best clothesline he's ever given in his short career as he laid his father out with that stiff clothesline. And you mentioned the judgment day, just cackling in the back. <laughs> <laughs> I, I you—that's going to be a gift that you see going forward for a long time. Finn Balor over there, <laughs> Rhea Ripley cackling. I—the th- finish didn't make sense. The match was really good. I'm gonna give it three and a quarter tiers, just because the finish was a little confusing. But
0: uh, Dominic gave
1: a great clothesline right there.
0: Yes, he did. Now I can't let you off the hook completely, okay? Because you dropped something in your little review while ago. You dropped a My Brother and Me reference. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Let
0: me tell y'all something. (laughs) Growing up, watching Nickelodeon, okay? This show in particular was a tricky show. You know why it was tricky? Show lasted one season. (laughs) And they kept running the episodes as if it lasted five years. Oh, I'm sure I saw that episode at least... (laughs) 20 to 30
1: times before they finally move something else into the time slot. Because <laughs> there's only like eight episodes in the season yes. to begin with.
0: So that is the most manipulative one season show ever because it made it feel like this show was on the air for five years. They wore those three ones out. A great show that tricked my ass and wow, this is a good, it lasted one season. <laughs> okay. Sunday time slot at six. Fuck off Nickelodeon. But we got to point a couple of things out regarding Dominic turn. First of all, he's mad about a few things. One, I helped you win. Dad, you hit that Rana off the top rope to Finn Balor. I gave you the advantage. Ray has the spear for the win. But how dare Edge get a mask before I do? Huh? Mm. What's up with that? How does he get a mask before I do? I'm your son. I'm your blood. Then number two, that mullet he's been growing. (laughs) (laughs) Now, somebody on Twitter pointed this out. He did that for his real father, the late, great Eddie Guerrero, because his father had a mullet too. And he had all the Latino heat for his adoptive father in storyline Rey Mysterio. And someone had one more gift of what he will be to Rhea on Monday as he would deliver a rose with his mouth to his woman. The parallels of this storyline is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs>
1: First of all, first of all, what we're not going to do, what we're not going to do in any way, shape or form is applaud, (laughs) approve of, and and let continue to happen that mullet on the back of Dominic's head. I'm going to tell you what we're not going to do. That's got to go. So whatever reboot you got coming, Dominic, that needs to be the first thing that needs to get rebooted. Because that is atrocious. I've been been saying that for That's been the biggest heel turn. We talking about Dominic going dark. That dude has been turning ever since he's let that mullet go. And you know what? I can't even leave Ray Mysterio off the hook. He might be turning heel on the low too for letting his son go out in public like that. You wonder why the daughter stopped coming out? That's why. (laughs) She can't be seen in public with that mullet. She's like ruining my brand. I got TikTok followers. I got Instagram followers. You can't be ruining me with that mullet. What are you doing? I, I, the, the, the whole thing is just ridiculous
0: <laughs> <laughs> that mullet is offensive Oh my when you God. really look at it it is hideous but he's growing it for his father who is in heaven right now eddie's proud of his son my son latino heat jr making me proud growing a mullet of his own but it's not as pretty as mine was just letting you know son cut that shit off i'm gonna tell you where he's not making him proud and that's what that the heavy sack frog splash he'd been
1: delivering. That's what's not making him proud. We're going to talk about making somebody proud. So You he can't to be Latino Heat's son. You can't be claiming to be his biological son. And you can't deliver a frog splash.
0: <laughs> that is very true. But I'm intrigued now. He did not officially join Judgment Day. We'll see how it goes on Monday Night Raw. But the initiation must include, you must cut your hair, sir. You must cut it down to the barest of roots, please. As we move on to our semi-main event of the evening, Rollins versus Riddle. Seth freaking Rollins dressed like the rocket man, Elton John. This might've been his most outlandish fit yet for a match. And he looked Fantastic. The crowd sang along to a song. Riddle comes out. And this match is very, very personal as we watched Monday Night Raw and Rollins calls out Riddle for not having a family as his wife divorced his bitch ass and took the kids as well. And I just love the heated nature of this feud. And once again, anytime that Seth and Riddle share ring space, Seth Rollins makes it a point to leave a mark on that man's body. And once again, he left a shiner, a bump, a bruise on Riddle's face.
1: Let's uh let's take this one from the top, shall we? I uh we gotta talk about Seth Rollins and his Rocket Man Elton John get up that he had going on there. Um, t- this guy. Just, has, just be rocking. The worst part is the flames and everything fit with the graphic that went underneath him when he threw his hands out. It looked like <laughs> that was his breath that breathed out there, so what do you know? I I love the intensity of this match. I am so glad that they held this off from SummerSlam because it's been built up really well and the crowd was really got really invested, especially towards the end of this match. Um, I thought Riddle did a good job of You know, kind of expressing that he can't wait to get his hands on him. Even before Rollins got in the ring, he was on the ropes. He never really let him get comfortable. They didn't start up with a uh, you know some headlocks and stuff. It was all punches and kicks, and it was just a physical match right off the bat. Um, This was probably my second favorite match of the night, to be honest with you. Um, And that's only because of the finish of the main event. But yeah, this is probably my second favorite match of the night, and I. I think this match, you know, I'm going to say this every pay-per-view and it feels like I am. Seth Rollins, every single time he goes out in a big situation, continues to show why he is one of the best in the world and why he's got to be in that conversation. He's so good. There was a spot... Uh, where Rollins went for that reverse superplex that he was going to transition into another Falconero, and they kind of slipped off. And most times when that happens, most wrestlers go right back to the exact same spot. But instead of doing that, they just played it off. Riddle just countered it. And then they went to Seth hitting the stomp off the top rope. And then they just went to a basic Falconero about two transitions later. Little things like that, just, you know, those are things that you do where it's not telegraphing, where it looks like it was just part of the match, and maybe it was, but, you know. But I, I it, to me, it just looked like a great, you know. Hey, we we slipped off, but we can we can work with that. We can work with that. Just play off of it. And I, I thought this this match was just excellent. The 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 finish of it with uh with Rod- with Riddle coming back into the ring after getting Rollins on the outside, hitting him with the stomp there, you know the the near falls that we got him him with the Bro Derek I. This was a really, really good match. Riddle shows, I think Riddle has shown in his couple of main events that he is ready for a main event run. And I think he's, they're grooming him for a good main event run. I said a year ago, I think, maybe coming up on it, that Riddle would be in the main event. And I, he's not quite there, but I think they are setting him up to really get solidified there.
0: He's definitely on the cusp of being a main eventer and Seth Rollins is so great. He broke out. Bro Derek, as you mentioned, the pedigree for a near fall. Love the counter into the superplex and to the fisherman's buster. That riddle landed on Rollins as well, but the story of this match was Riddle's emotions getting the best of him because Rollins triggered him by saying, once again, your family left for you. Your wife divorced you. You're a goddamn loser. That sets off Riddle a bit more, but it's a bit too much for him as Riddle is going to get dropped with a draping DDT through the ropes and in a great troll spot, Seth calls for an RKO. If he actually hit it, I would have cried because it would have been amazing. The ultimate troll job. But that second rope curb stomp Mm -hmm. was fantastic. And the bruise and the bump on Riddle's head. It's always personal with these two. It's a little stiff at times because every time Rollins lands a blow, this man has a black eye, some kind of bruise. He leaves with the mark. And today was no exception.
1: Let I me mean, tell you, those forearms that they were exchanging and them knees, they were they were connecting. There was not a lot of air in between those strikes. And I, again, that all added to the match that kind of blurred lines of, you know, how, how physical are they going to get with each other? You know, and I, I just think that all added to it and it was a, a really good call to hold off on this match. It would have just been lost in SummerSlam because SummerSlam was a loaded show. On this card, it's going to stand out a little bit. It's going to be one of the better matches that we talk about. And Rollins needed a win. He doesn't win. I think this might be his first win he's had on pay-per-view all year, if I think about it. Um, so, Riddle can take the loss. And I do love Rollins, the mind games. That's, we see some of the architect coming back where he plays these mind games, uh, the draping DDT. Or he, he started singing. And I would have liked for, for Riddle to hit an RKO. I think that would have been a really nice near-fall that the crowd would have bought into. But yeah, that that second rope curb stomp. I don't know if I've ever seen a second rope curb stomp
0: from, from Rollins, at least. I haven't either. I would love to see an avalanche one just for the hell of it one day Ooh. very soon. That would be sickening. That needs to be for a championship match preferably against Roman Reigns. That would be like an awesome moment. We need the avalanche curb stomp to really end a match very, very soon.
1: Well, if if he hits that, then he got to win the title because you can't hit that and not win.
0: Yes, there are levels to this. Literally, you go from the second rope, third rope. That's a lock to win a championship. Maybe it happen sometime next year as I think he is one of a few guys that can get a win over Roman Reigns whenever the time calls for it. But a great semi-main event between Rollins and Roto. Great chemistry great matchup and Rollins is just one of the best in the world period when it comes to match layout and making you hate him in the best possible way. Even though I think he was more over than Riddle on this particular night in Cardiff Wells.
1: Yeah. And I, I think that just, that's just his standing as a main eventer who, I mean, whenever the, whenever WWE is ready, they have a baby face in Seth Rollins. He is the ultimate, the ultimate main event utility guy. Because you can put him in the main event as a baby face or heel, or you can put him down in the mid card, too. So he's the ultimate utility guy.
0: He would be over either way. And I think that WWE realizes that when the time is right, he would be a great baby face. I've been saying that for a while as well, that I think there is money in him being over with the people heartedly. The time will call for it. And when he's over, he's over. And I just think that that time is coming sooner rather than later with a lot of moving pieces still to come between now and next year's WrestleMania. As we segue to the main event of Clash at the Castle, the highly anticipated match between Drew McIntyre and the undisputed WWE Universal Champion Roman Reigns. 732 days and counting as champ. Two years dating back to payback 2020 when he beat Braun Strowman to become the new champion. And this match was highly anticipated. Now, before the match really took place months ago, there was a sea change of will it be more pro Roman versus Drew McIntyre. Last night, this crowd was all in on Drew McIntyre. And we got the dream for the first time in a very long time. Even if it was for a minute, we heard broken dreams playing footage of drew's career then to now i got chills i love that song they waited until the perfect moment to play it it was epic then he gets his regular entrance i thought that was special because we've been begging for broken dreams for so long so has he that was a nice touch heading into this championship match
1: yeah this uh this definitely had a big fight feel um also, I wanted to give Rollins and Riddle four and a half tears. Uh, yeah, this this had big, big fight feel. This felt like a main event. Uh, and, you know, I, I'm not going to lie. they They got me. They did what they were supposed to do. They had me completely hooked. And I just knew it felt like one of those nights where something big was coming, where a big change was coming. And I... I was sold on Drew McIntyre winning from him getting the broken dreams to the long insurance, to him just soaking in the adulation to him getting his name sung. I, you know, I I thought they did a really good job of presenting both guys as the top guys in the company. And, you know, at least that's how they presented them both. And so I, I thought this, this match was really, really good and it built well. Again, this is probably another match that you could have shaved a few minutes off. You know, longer doesn't always necessarily mean better, but it did build very well. The crescendo I thought built really well. Wasn't a fan of the ending as far as how that played out. Um, and that and that is purely me as a fan saying I thought it was Drew's night. And that is a testament to I think that's what you want. Like Roman is the heel. He is, he is the biggest name in the company, but he is the heel and you want your heel to, you want to feel like, man, I thought he was going to get it. Who, who is going to be that babyface? Cause now you beat Drew and it's, and you know, and, it's, and essentially they've set up as his backyard, even though it's not his home country, but, and then you've, Got whoever wins and beats him, whoever that baby face is, it's going to mean more because of who's Ro- who Roman has beaten now. And the list is smaller, but when the list is smaller, it makes it mean more because it's like not everybody's beating this guy. I still don't know if it was the right move for Drew not to win the match.
0: I'm conflicted, too. I'm a big Drew McIntyre fan. I have wanted him to win this championship for so long. To win it in the UK would mean so much. But at the same time, I'm a realist and Roman Reigns has been champion for over two years now. And I think they're going to wait until next year's WrestleMania to dethrone him and the man to do the job is Cody Rhodes. It's kind of prophesied. He's gonna win the Warrior Rumble, move on to WrestleMania, beat Roman Reigns. There is more than one warrior family fighting a bloodline versus the Rhodes bloodline. Two dynasties going head to head. That is how you build the match at WrestleMania. Of course, I would love to see Drew McIntyre win. I'm a big fan of his. He was so over last night and they tried to give you every possible near fall to make you believe he had this kicking out of spears, hitting claymores for near falls, hitting a spear through the barricade. We got a great, did the fans flip spot with a water bottle, but it was carrying across. I'm like, what the hell going on here? But thankfully that was in storyline and not fans acting out. And then we even got a money in the bank attempted cash in by Austin Theory because Lil Nate, every month, Lil Nate takes a bump. He just gets hit. I need him to stop calling these matches because you are a liability, sir. You lose your shoe one week, you get knocked out the next, come in at the last minute to do your job. Lil Natch, Charles Robinson, stop it. But I did love the fact that as Theory was going to cash in, Tyson Fury knocked the shit out of him. So for that alone, I liked it. But also I like the recurring theme of Theory trying to cash in and horrible things keep happening to him at least once a month.
1: Yeah, I, I thought they did a real good job with the near falls as well, especially the way they built to him. You know, one thing they do really well with the baby face and his finisher when they want to put it over as a knockout is he never hits it. He may kick out of multiple other finishes, but he doesn't hit it. They did this a lot with Roman when they were building him up as the, the spear being the one hit KO because nobody was kicking out of it. You know, he was kicking out of everybody's finisher. Drew kicked out of two spears. Speared Roman and had the crowd three and the emotion on his face really sold it to like, this is it. I'm I'm about to do it. I'm about to do it. And those, those near falls in the last five minutes of the match were really, really compelling. And God, man, I just imagine the, the, the pop and the, and the just the cheers and adulation that drew McIntyre would have got if he would have won that match. I, you know, and I, cause I, I said Roman from the beginning, I saw the video package. I changed my mind to drew and they sold me this whole day on drew winning, but that doesn't mean that Roman winning is the wrong move because you still have options. Cody, Cody is the move. Cody is the guy that's been built up, but you know what? I, I got a hot take right here. I don't know if Roman Reigns makes it to WrestleMania as champion next year. Cause I think if you do, cause I think Roman, it's got to go against the rock. It's got to be for the, for the whole bloodline versus the rock. And you don't need the title for that. I just, I don't know how you, what moment you would have that would be better built than this right here. Cause I just, I don't think Roman Reigns is coming into LA as champion next year. Cause you don't need him to you. That's a main event match without the title, especially if he's going against the rock and Rollins can beat him. Uh, You can have, there's so many things that you can do and have believable guys win and Cody still have that big time matchup feel. I just, I don't think Roman Reigns is going into the WrestleMania as champion. And I wonder what other moment you'll have that's created to create a superstar like you had here at, uh, at Clash.
0: There was definitely an opportunity to get the titles off of Roman Reigns. And there is ways to get to where you still need to go with Cody Rhodes and extra wrestlemania because crazily enough, there's still value in Rollins versus Cody for if Rollins is the champion and there is beef there and Rollins might be a bit insecure because he got beat three times by Cody Rhodes and Cody wants his revenge after Seth took him out during the summer this year. So there is something there, but this is all contingent on the Rock's Movie schedule, can he take a bump? Is the insurance too high for him to do anything? That's on him as well. It's a lot of what ifs right now. I would love to see it, but it depends on the box schedule and what he's willing to do in order to make this match happen. The window is closing. L.A. is a big market. The biggest market is home market in a lot of ways to pull this match off for next year's WrestleMania. When you tease it on your TV show, you got to think about it at some point that is going to happen between now and now. And next next year's WrestleMania, I would presume. I don't see it in Philly. L.A. is obviously the best option. But the end of this match, you know, I'm all about the third oost. I'm all about Soto Sequoia being a part of the bloodline. But I did not expect that finish in that way. And it soured me because you knew it was going to happen. Another spear, the win, it's over, the fans are kind of deflated with this victory for Roman Reigns, but it's expected because we have heard about Solo's call-up for a while to add to the bloodline, but at the same time, If you want the bloodline to be weakened, Roman can't lose right now. The first chips to fall would have to be those tag team titles. And if you add Solo to the mix, Sammy's days as a member of this group, the honorary U's are numbered. And you got to tell that story to get to KO versus Usos for those tag team titles eventually. That's the first crack in the dynasty. You get that, then you get to Roman and how he loses those titles between now and or WrestleMania.
1: So I I love all that by the way, Keel. I think that's all spot on, and I liked how they introduced Solo. I think it makes sense that you know there would be a contingency plan in place. You know that they would have somebody ready to go, and I think Solo is more than ready for the main roster, especially being in the mix with those guys. And you know we we talked about factions earlier, and there are options to keep Roman busy. You know to to give them and the Usos things to do you mentioned Imperium. That's still a match that you can do. Even with Roman being this heel here and Gunther being a heel, that's still a match that you can do because Roman would have to fight from underneath a little bit. And you could kind of tell that story there. Also, um, I was about to call him Fabian Eichner, Giovanni and Ludwig versus the Usos. That's a great tag title match. So, there are definitely options. Bobby Lashley still has not rubbed elbows with Roman Reigns yet. That's still something that needs to happen, especially the way he's been built up. There are options that you can do to keep Roman busy in the meantime, because if The Rock is not ready, then I, I think it's 100% the right thing to do is you keep the belt on Roman until WrestleMania for Cody Rhodes. I just think Rock will be ready. I, I, I WrestleMania and LA, I just feel like that is a, a huge moment, a huge spot. And, you know, I think the rock would want to be a part of that. And that matchup would just be huge. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens, but there, they are people, Gunther and Imperium, Bobby Lashley, you know, uh, actually, maybe not as many as I think, cause you got those two, but where do you really go after that? As far as a, a believable matchup with somebody, you don't really want to go back to edge. We've seen that. We know you're not going to put the title on him, there's, I guess, there really aren't as many guys, but you can get a couple months out of a Gunther. You can get a couple months out of a Lashley, uh, especially if you do do the hurt business, because you can get some tag tiles, some six man matches out of that as well. I just, maybe you get rewarding back in time, so there's a match there. There's not as much as I thought about when you really kind of think about the time frame that you have to kill from now until WrestleMania, which is another reason why I don't know if Roman makes it as champ to WrestleMania.
0: Yeah, I only see a couple of people that could do it: Rollins, Lashley, Kevin Owens, outside, ch- outside shot, Randy Orton. That's it. The list is limited. Everybody else, they would give Roman a good fight, but they're not going to get the championship from him. But the good news is, you you do have these tag teams and factions you can work with. But let's not forget, in Roman's absence, you will have a new bloodline led by most likely main event. Jey Uso, he's the one that's been Roman-like lately. The one that has been having smoke for Sami Zayn. He is the leader, the second in command when Roman's not there. So if you got Solo, Jay and Jimmy, that's Bloodline 2.0 when Roman's not there week to week.
1: Yeah, and I, I think they have established themselves as a main event act, and that's going to be an interesting story. Especially if you keep Roman off TV for a bit, you have that story kind of build, and then when it happens, and you know they kick them out or they take that big loss, you're like, Roman's coming next week. It's like, oh, okay, business about to pick back up. So there's definitely you know levels to it, and you can use those levels to build that anticipation. So. I there's definitely, I'm excited about that aspect of it as far as getting main event Jay Uso back, long as they protect him as the main event Jay. But, you know, again, Survivor Series, they can kind of get away with it because you can do a Survivor Series match with the champ in it, um, you know, and kind of do that or have a six man or something like that. Or the champ, or you can't do champ versus champ because you can't have Roman wrestle himself. Um, so, <laughs> you know, he's got to be in a Survivor Series match. And, there's a very, there's an old match that they used to do that they, they did back with uh, Randy Orton and Triple H when they were feuding. And Triple H was champion, and he had his team, and Randy Orton had his team, and the stipulation was... If Randy Orton's team won the match, they would get to be GM for the week. And essentially, Mm -hmm. they would each challenge Triple H for the title, each of them getting a shot that week, building to Randy Orton getting that title match again, which he eventually lost. But the build was good for that. And in Triple H's team, the stipulation was if they helped Triple H win, they would each get a title shot. I think that's something that you can do with Roman to build intrigue. You know, you say, nah, you don't get to have your bloodline in your Survivor Series match. We're going to mix things up a little bit so you can have some, you know, some distrust, some, some kind of like what's going to happen, what's going on here. And I think that's an intriguing way to have your champion be a part of the match and maybe build a baby face up on the other side. Because Roman can walk out the match. Let's keep him 100. You know, he can walk out the match and leave one of those heels by themselves. So there, you know, there are things you can do. And I just think that's an interesting concept that you can do to fill time and you don't have to run through matchups. Like We don't have to waste another Rollins-Roman matchup when you have ideas like that, especially when Triple H is in charge and he was a part of that idea.
0: And it was a great idea. And we got like that one week baby face Batista push on Raw. Yeah. That gave us what will be at that year's WrestleMania. So, oh the, the, oh, the storytelling back then was so good. Oh, the layers, the flashbacks. I miss it. That was a genius stipulation back then. GM for a week. Batista gave us a tease of what could be. And and then it, w- then it was eventually, oh, Triple H, remember when storytelling was good back then to tell your own story at that year's WrestleMania in L.A., no less.
1: And the thing is, with with Triple H, um, you know, his we talk about the range that he had and. He didn't put a lot of people over, but a lot of, well, not a lot, but some of the stories that they had in the builds to it were really good. He just never finished the job and that's why it's not remembered as finally like that story right there. Nobody was going to remember it because nothing came of it. It didn't end up mattering in the long in, in the end game.
0: Yeah, it's got a little teaser for what would be, but you know, Triple H, Reign of Terror. It's not named that for nothing because he was oof, a mess, a menace back then, but you know, it's the end of the show, right? It's the end of Clash at the Castle. Oh, my so God. So we thought. Because, listen, let me tell y'all something. <sighs> we was already kind of sad about Drew McIntyre losing this match. We're kind of down. And, and Triple H's mindset: we got to leave the people with something to remember. But besides sadness in this moment. So we get this one fan chanting A-Dub. The one fan that was very corn, loud. Cornball. The cornball fan. A-Dub, A-Dub. Like, the one fan. Not two, not even three One was chanting as he was upset I understand, watch all out tomorrow At 1am, get your fix then If you want to watch a marathon show It's going to wear you out You're going to bed at 6am, but I digress in all of that But this Tyson Fury <laughs> sing-along What In the hell was this First of all, we are in the UK Why are we singing American Pie <sighs> <sighs> What you can't sing shepherd's pie?
1: <laughs> hey man, I I I don't know. Like I don't know whose idea this was. Or who thought like? First of all, he came in the ring and shook Roman Reigns' hand. Like egregious. Great job, like like what? <laughs> what? <laughs> three three and a, three and a half tears, By the way, for the match, I thought the match was really good. Great near falls. The finish. If they would have went all the way, it would have went to four. But. That that is it. So he, he go does that and then he picks up Drew. And I'm thinking, okay, maybe we're setting something up, or maybe Bray Wyatt's coming, or maybe Karrion Cross is gonna lay out Tyson Fury and then Drew McIntyre, something like that. And we just get Tyson Fury's post-match ritual that he does when he wins a boxing match. So here's my thing. Cause I watch my wife loves boxing, and I, I'm a big Tyson Fury fan as well. So the next Tyson Fury fight I watch, especially the one he loses. I better see that man go grab a mic and start singing his jolly tail away, smiling, grabbing everybody, shaking everybody's hand. Because what the hell would Drew McIntyre be sitting there smiling and cheesing away? And he – I'm going to be honest with you. His initial expression looked like, yo, what the hell are you doing right now? (laughs) Like, this is supposed to be my moment, and you in here singing show tunes? Like, what do you think you're doing, bro? I I just – I was talking to my uh, good friend of the show, J.D. Oliva, host of Brace for Impact. And even uh, Mike Gilbert, the other host, he put a picture of of Luger in 93. And that's what J.D. called it as well. That's what this was. This was Lex Luger, quote unquote, beating Yokozuna in 1993 by countout. And then getting a, a hero's parade and showers of joy. I just... I don't get it. Why would you air this? That's fine. If you want to do it off air for the live crowd, because they seem to finally get into it after they were like, what are we doing? I'm pissed off. Why am I singing with you? Why are we doing sing-alongs? But for the, to air that on the show, what? No, man. I, I just don't, the whole, I just, I don't know, man. I'm at a loss for words. I throw my hands up and I just say,
0: Why? It was strange. Then on top of that, I thought that Tyson Fear was going to punch Drew McIntyre. I was waiting for the turn. Like, are we going to set up a match at WrestleMania? Is, is that where we're going with this? I don't know. And then we got Drew wanting to sing Sweet Caroline. I'm saying, we are in the UK. Why are you singing these American songs? This is all kinds of weird Uh, I don't get it now see if you're trying to end the show on a happier note get Tyson out of there let Drew soak in this loss the fans still love you you cut a babyface promo about how you fought and what it means to be in your home country and what it meant to you to be in this match to almost win to lose the way that you did and then give us a pep talk but I did not need the singing of American songs in the UK and I love America damn it but you're in the UK You couldn't sing the Beatles. There wasn't a Rolling Stones song you could sing. Really?
1: And, you know, the other thing is, like, because I'm with you. Why not just let Drew go out there, cut this promo? He's going to have the crowd with him. They're going to be emotional with him. Austin Theory's still out there. Have him just stumble into the ring like, yo, this is my time. Drew can have his nice three, two, one big kick. We can still send the fans home happy. You take out a heel. Drew gets a moment. Tyson still could have came in the ring and just picked up Drew like, yo, pick your head up. You got this. You're good. Like that's how you use Tyson Fury. You bring him in the ring when Drew's sitting there in the corner looking dejected like, yo, I let everybody down. I, you know, I'm sorry. I can't believe I did that. That's when you have Tyson go in the ring, pick him up like, yo, pick your head up, dude. You, You are all right. You are still our guy. You are still Drew McIntyre. You're still that guy. That's when you have him hold his hand up, point to him, get the crowd fired up for Drew McIntyre, and you roll out, you bow out the ring. You give Drew the moment. You give Drew the mic. Let him have his promo. Austin Theory can stumble in. Drew gets to hit him with a Claymore. The crowd is now happy. We get to go home happy. Instead, we got... A freaking multiverse of madness, bizarro realm. I, I just, it's just a baffling end to a really good show.
0: Took the air out of the room for me. We couldn't even get goodbye, Yellow Brick Road. We got American Pie. At
1: at least Rollins understood where we were. The assignment.
0: (laughs) You know what I'm saying? (laughs) <laughs> he understood the assignment from head to fucking toe We in here wrapping up this show with American show tunes And I love America, but we in the UK Sing some UK songs You couldn't even sing some Harry Styles Really? Couldn't even pop off a of Harry Styles? No One Direction Couldn't pop that off Nothing Disappointing
1: well, if they would have started singing One Direction, to be fair, I would have had no idea.
0: <laughs> so
1: I'd have been like, "All right, what Spice are Girls.
0: I could take a Spice okay. Girls song."
1: Okay. See, I would have, I would I would have rocked with the Spice. I would have rocked with that. And I bet you the crowd would have started getting into that too. I see it, But then again, that would have got that might have got Tyson and uh, Claymore. It's true, true, true.
0: Sing some Adele. Somebody <laughs> that's from your country. God, but what a strange way to end the show. And because of this, I think I I have to lower my tears a bit a bit towards the end of this review. So Scott, what is your final score for this show on your tier scale? On your t- <sighs> I can't say the word on your tiers scale, what is your final tally?
1: So again, I would have gave this probably like a 7.5 if, if if they had cut the show off after Roman won the match which I'm okay with him in solo walking up. He gives that grin and all that. If they had to cut the show off right there, it's a 7.5. Because I thought, I thought it was a really good show. I mean, even the main event, it was a little disappointing with the finish, but the match was still really good, especially towards the end. But that multiverse sh- shenanigans that they pulled at the end, I got to take a full point off of that. I'm, I'm giving it a
0: 6.5. I'm going to be... A little bit nicer and give it seven tiers out of ten it would have gotten maybe a 7.5 or eight if not for a couple of finishes that left a lot to be desired that last five minutes of that show Mm. could have been thrown away because i'm like drew mcintyre are we still on the air if we are cut the camera off right now cut it off peacock cut the feed because it was so unnecessary Unneeded. And it just took away from the main event. If he was going to lose, fine. Let him do the speech. Let him get the ovation like Seamus Scott. They would have showed him love. There's no doubt about that. Let's not add some cushion with some American show tunes. No, just no.
1: Just a, just a an absolutely terrible idea
0: that they had. Um, Keila, let me ask you this. What was your match of the night? My match of the night will go to Sheamus and Gunther for the IC title. That was a great bruising battle between two guys that knows nothing but violence.
1: Yeah. I'm with you on that. And for uh, you know the reason that you kind of stated the violence and just the, the physicality, and it's going to be a, com- that's going to be a completely different match than really probably anything you see all weekend, just because of who's involved and the level of physicality that those two can, can bring to the table. I, Great, great match. I kind of hope we see another one. I'd, I'd love to run it back
0: me too that would be a great to run back possibly at Extreme Rules next month in Philadelphia and this wraps up our review of the Clash at the Castle event going down live from Cardiff Wells. a very good show with a very perplexing last five minutes but you know this is WWE they're going to do some things that we like and don't like but all in all I do like where we're going here you got to think long game I know there are some issues about WWE playing with people's emotions to get you to care that's the Purpose, give people a reason to care about these matches. You're not going to be guaranteed a favorable outcome because somebody is in their hometown. There is a long game storyline in WWE regarding Roman Reigns and those titles that are not affecting the ticket sales whatsoever for these house shows, these TV shows, and our pay-per-views. When he's on and not on these cards, things are selling. The television ratings, especially for Monday Night Raw, are going up. SmackDown should be a bit better with preseason football being over with now. But despite it all, You are trying to build trust and the trust comes with giving you a reason to care. Is the outcome going to be guaranteed to you in a favorable way? Not always. I do have my question marks regarding some booking decisions, but on the whole, they're trying to make you care and invest for these shows every single month. And for that we're in a better place than we were a month ago.
1: You know, when Triple H did take over, I kind of said that this was going to be, kind of the starting point because I, I, I really felt like they had plans established to this point, And I kind of felt like this was going to be where we really see what Triple H's vision is going to be going forward. Um, And I still believe that. Like, I think we're going to, I think this coming week, you know, there's a rumor that Braun Strowman could be returning and, and there's other people that could be returning. So I think we're going to kind of see what neat, what we kind of, what Triple H's full vision is going to be because I still don't think we've got a full roster of what he wants of all the guys and girls that he wants on the roster. So there are a lot of questions and I think there are even more questions after this show. And that is a good thing. And, and to the fans, you know, who said that they won't be back, you know, this was the last time they're going to give WWE a chance. I'll see you in a couple of weeks.
0: Same. Said the same thing in the Warrior Rumble. We said the same thing. We buried that show. That was by far the worst show that WWE produced because you brought back a lot of casual fans and he delivered that crap of a show. I think the rest of the way through this year have been very strong shows. Booking has been herky jerky here or there. TV shows can tend to fall flat sometimes. But I think on the whole, ever since WrestleMania, every big WWE show is delivered in some way. You're gonna have some love of disappointment. Everything is not is not gonna go smoothly. I would prefer things to happen. To certain way with Drew McIntyre winning, but this is a long-term vision for WWE and they're not going to book a one month reign for Drew McIntyre because to me that would be a disservice I want this man to have a long lengthy run whenever the time calls for it once again it wasn't meant to be on this night I wish it was but this is a long-term vision that WWE has in mind and why break it up now when you got more story to tell in a variety of ways you got stories that needs Roman as champion to get you through the end of the year
1: You know, I I know we need to wrap up and I'll just say this last thing about Roman Reigns, you know, retaining the title over Drew. Jeff Jarrett said something on his podcast. um, Again, this is uh, and he said that the reason he was talking about Monty Brown and how they had built him up to be this champion. And the reason he said that they didn't give him the belt, they didn't make him champion was because they didn't have anybody ready for him to face when he became champion to where he didn't feel like an afterthought where he still felt like the main event of the show. And I think that is whether it's true or not. I think that kind of thinking though is, is very true. Who is ready for Drew? Let's say Drew would have beaten Roman Reigns. Who is ready for Drew McIntyre? What heels are built up for Drew Seth Rollins, but that's about it. So you really got to kind of keep him, you know what you don't have anybody ready for Drew McIntyre to go against. So, as much as I wanted the moment and thought the moment was warranted because of the build. When you think about what was going to come next, it probably was the best decision. If you don't have anything planned for this brand new crowning baby face that you just created, but you don't have anything going for him. Cause that's been, that's a huge problem WWE has had is they create these baby faces and have no plans for them. Look at Liv Morgan. So.
0: Exhibit A. And what bad booking would do for a baby face and never fails in some ways. And that's a great way to wrap up this show, recapping Clash of the Castle. But don't fear, we'll be back tomorrow via the Patreon with the NXT World's Collide Show, the second of three shows from WWE and AEW. And I think the zero hour show prior to all out might be countering this show at seven Eastern. So it's gonna be a busy Sunday. Get your popcorn ready. Another great show from NXT. I expect this show tomorrow to be sneaky, great, with a couple of standout matches that could be match of the night worthy, if not the weekend, when it's all said and done.
1: Carmelo Hayes versus Ricochet. Really excited about the A champion. And I'm kind of nervous about that, to be honest. I think he's gonna Carmelo Hayes will win, but you know, who knows what, you know, Ricochet could come back and get that belt. Also, I think people will definitely be talking about big, strong boy Tyler Bate after this weekend when he starts tossing Braun Breaker around. And he also brings out the best match Braun Breaker's ever had. Tyler Bate will be the talk of tomorrow, at least until All Out starts.
0: I agree. I think that he's going to have probably one of the greatest performances he's had in WWE and Braun breaker might have a transcendent performance against Tyler Bate. I just sense something special. Also, even though I hate the goddamn gimmick, do not sleep on Nathan Fraser and Axiom. That could be a great match tomorrow mm-hmm. as well.
1: No, that, that that's actually a, a really good call, especially if they, you know, kind of just let them, let them boys go and do their thing. So, and again, They don't need to have 15 minutes. Give them like eight to 10 minutes of just nonstop action. And that's what we want. You don't have to give them 15 minutes. Give me eight to 10 minutes of them just doing their thing. And you're right. That's going to be a really good addition to the card.
0: Yes. Up and down. Sleepy, good show. I think this might be the rebirth of black and gold tomorrow. If Triple H is going to fly his ass on the private jet to get back to Florida to say we are NXT and and the black and gold pops up, I might cry
1: yeah he's gonna he's gonna throw his hands up and say we are nxt again
0: <laughs> poppy where you at girl
1: sorry wale <laughs> or 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 he's gonna throw his hands up we are nxt and you're gonna see Shawn michaels pop his head up from the bottom again, <laughs> again <laughs>
0: It's definitely a possibility So we'll see how they do the intro tomorrow As we say goodbye to NXT UK Officially, I know it's a sad day But NXT Europe is coming sometime Next year, allegedly, we'll see about that But for myself and for Scott That's a wrap on all things Clash of the Castle, any last words, Scott Before we go No,
1: you know, Gigi, you're working us hard, man We'll be back at y'all tomorrow Working us
0: hard we busy y'all we stay busy right here on the fight game media network and the plus side of things via the patreon drop the five dollars right now to get your sneak peek at tomorrow's world's collide show via our throwback show of nxt takeover brooklyn 2 which was a lot of fun last weekend but we'll be back tomorrow via the patreon sign up now fight game media Patreon. You know what to do. Click the links below the show notes, wherever you listen to this podcast to get the fix for tomorrow. So for myself and for Scott, that's a wrap on WWE Clash at the Castle.